Welcome to The Art of Growth, where we use the Enneagram and the best tools we can find to help you transform. So we are just wrapping up a season on attachment styles and Enneagram stances. And we did all the panels for that. And this is a season that really followed the thread of after we know our type, after we know our instincts, then we can look at our strategies of interaction through the stances and attachment style. And a lot of this was prompted by a therapist friend of ours, Michelle, who we got to know because she went through the Art of Growth certification process. And a lot of the season's work came out of partnering with her. And on the back of an episode we did with her initially about Enneagram stances and attachment styles. I've linked that original episode in the show notes if you haven't heard that one yet. This episode, we are back with Michelle and we are following up what we learned after going through this whole season with all of these panels. Like we've said, these panels are us trying to contribute to the Enneagram, the ongoing work of allowing the Enneagram to be what it is, which is a method of self-reporting instead of superimposing a theory on people. So we go to the source, we go to all of you as data points in the ongoing development of the Enneagram. One of the things that Michelle did through this process is combine what each attachment style looks like within the framework of each Enneagram stance. And if that doesn't make sense, it really helps to look at it visually. So today it is on our Instagram, Art of Growth, and we are also sending out a newsletter today with this visual in it. And I think this could be hugely helpful as some of us head into the holiday season to be thinking about some of these things as we interact with family. So check the newsletter from us or sign up for it or go to Art of Growth on Instagram so you're better able to follow along with the discoveries found within this episode. This is also the last week to get the early bird pricing for the certification through the Art of Growth that starts in January. There will be a link within that newsletter or you can find that at theartofgrowth.org. And going through the certification is the best way to learn not only from us, but with us. And as Michelle demonstrates in this episode, really contributes to what we're trying to do here. So let's jump into this episode where Joel and I are talking to Michelle about our learnings from the Attachment Styles and Stances panel season. All right. Well, I am so excited to be here with Michelle and, of course, my co-host, Mr. Jim. What up? Uh, we are wrapping up this series, uh, depending upon when you're listening to this. <laughs> Hopefully, you're listening to it after you listen to all the other podcasts on attachment styles and stances. But what I'm thrilled about is being able to talk to somebody who uses this professionally, uh, primarily the attachment styles, and really get your reflection since you've listened to all of these and what you've learned What's still a mystery to you? Because we're all enigmas at the end of the day. And so, like, what is still a mystery? But I thought we'd start by sharpening up some things because we noticed this, that there was still some confusion even through the podcast series around what attachment styles is and is not. And then Jim and I, we can clarify a little bit about the stances as well. Yeah. And we had to follow up with you, Michelle, because this whole thing started with you, you know, you bringing this to us and then us having the initial podcast dialogue about attachment style and stances, 
with that really just whet our appetite for curiosity. There was a lot of draw on that. So we said we really want to dive into this more, but I feel like we're still very much learning and we learned a lot through doing this season, but we're, this is like this ongoing conversation. So we had to like circle back to where it started, which is with you. Oh, well, I'll tell you, I'm right there with you on still learning. I think even attachment is a process where you're always learning, just like the Enneagram. Mm. There, it's so nuanced because it talks about what connects us, the similarities, and then we're still individuals in between. And so trying to figure out how that all fits. You know, I was thinking, I just, I loved the series, the panels. I was so impressed with a couple of things, just the vulnerability. I mean, people really did such a beautiful job of sharing in a way that was so meaningful. Uh, I remember thinking after I'd listened maybe to two of them that I thought this is going to get boring because how, how many possible new things could there be for people to say? And as you've heard, and anybody who's listened to it, that's not what happened. I mean, yeah. every single episode, no, these new no. insights. It was just so neat to listen to that. Yeah. I will just on a personal note, say that uh, after I listened to the three panel, had a vulnerability hangover, and I wasn't even on the podcast. I mean, they were so oh, wow. they were so dead on with. So it was just a really <laughs> great it's experience. No. Yeah, with people doing that, that's it's huge. I mean, that's a big deal for people to be able to. It's so generous. I was really, I was even surprised and very, very, very impressed and. And moved in my own, you know, my own heart when some even admitted, like, I'm in the disorganized category, you know, and we'll mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that. But that's not one that you want to come off with. You know, you might say I'm anxious, preoccupied, I'm I'm dismissive. But to actually say, no, I'm in that fourth category, that's really like the few percentage of people that's uh, and and so I really deeply, deeply, deeply honor people who are willing to be that vulnerable and open. Mm -hmm. and it opens the door for the rest of us and to notice where our own, you know, vulnerabilities are and to kind of step out and, and talk about them. So, yeah. So one of the things that is a little bit difficult about attachment is that when you're using words in relation to attachment, they don't mean what they mean in other contexts. So, for example, when your attachment is anxious, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are anxious as a person. And that's really confusing. I, I heard a lot of people saying that doesn't really line up for me because I, I'm a fairly anxious person, but my attachment style is secure. How can that possibly be? So I wanted it. And that is just a, that is just a misfortunate <laughs> labeling. Yeah. I, I don't know who to blame it on. So I won't. <laughs> so I think preoccupied is, is really a more accurate word. You know, that's the same thing. Anxious mm. attachment, preoccupied attachment because it refers to the fact that when you're under stress in an important relationship, you are so preoccupied with trying to make sure that you are safe, you are okay, that it's really hard to be present with the other person, that a lot of times you're not tracking what's going on. Your preoccupation is with yourself. So, so that's why I like the word preoccupied. And I hope that helps for people who sort of fall into that category. You know, here's a kind of subtlety that came up in the in the podcast that we didn't really talk about before, which is that you actually can have that kind of push pull in your attachment style and not be full out disorganized. It's a little bit confusing. <laughs> it's a nuance. Okay. okay. Yeah. 
It's not uncommon. In fact, there's one author who talks about it being like waves, waves in the ocean. You reach forward. And then when there's that threat of rejection or criticism, it feels like a pulling back. It's really Mm -hmm. confusing sometimes to the people that we love when we're doing that. So so sometimes there is full out disorganized, which is, you guys did such a good job in explaining like no strategy. It's all over the place. Mm-hmm. But there also can be within that anxious style, just like a push and pull that happens. Mm-hmm. Th- that's not as extreme. I as- don't suppose we're talking about degrees here because, you know, all of us, I, I'm, I don't know if I can't speak for everyone. I can see that in myself. I'll say that mm-hmm. where there are times where there'll be more of that push and pull. And sometimes even the space between the push and the pull becomes narrower. So, you know, I might be an hour I'm, I'm leaning toward and leaning anxiously. And then the next hour I'm pulling back. So I appreciate that. That's a comforting thought to look at it as there are degrees, there are ranges. And, you know, on given on any given day, we could be in that space of having that my first strategy didn't work my second strategy i go to and uh yeah. and maybe that works or doesn't work well and uh, some of this also comes from like the land of online tests right so we had people take a attachment style quiz and you know depending on how they answer they may have that push and pull as you're referring to michelle but how that might show up in that online test is comes out as disorganized. So there you go. that, so I think that probably was a factor uh, for some folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to say one more thing about that, about attachment, which is that it came up a lot in the panels that context matters. And that is mm-hmm. absolutely true. But I will say this for attachment. Attachment happens in our most important relationships. So we may have a strategy that we use at work or with the neighbor or the grocery store clerk. And that's probably much better explained through stances because we aren't we aren't depending on those people for our well-being, for our belonging, for our closeness. And so we have a lot more freedom typically in how we're going to manage those. And people talked about they sort of move between the stances as they need to, which is wonderful. In attachment. Those we really want to look at the um, more intimate relationships, emotionally intimate relationships that we have our parents, our children, our partners, sometimes our best friends. Right. And so that may have been a little confusing to some folks, too, because they know they Mm -hmm. act a certain way in one situation, but a different way in another. And I think that probably accounts for some of that. Yeah, there was an element of that, too, where we saw that the classic Enneagram way it lines up with, you know, the at for the three, seven and eight, the toward for the one, two, six and the away for the four or five, nine. They, they all said that that showed up consistently with their most intimate relationships. But when the context changed, then they would sometimes apply a different strategy or a different stance. So there doesn't seem to be like that dominant stance seems to be consistent, but we didn't see the same consistency with the attachment style that I think we may have thought we were going to see. And so like, you've really nuanced this out. Yeah. So keep going on that. Yeah. Well, I think the, the one other thing I would say is that I heard a number of people say, it's really confusing. I don't know my attachment style because I adapt. 
And what I want to say to them is that is so good that one of the hallmarks of healthy attachment is flexibility, Mm. is that we are able to be present with ourselves, with other people and respond accordingly. I, I don't know. I got the feeling some people might feel like that means they have a lack of maturity or a lack of growth. And I would say it's really the opposite. We're going for healthy attachment. We want flexibility. And we want to be able to send a clear signal. Those are the, and we'll talk a little bit about healing later and and, and some good strategies, but that's what we're looking at. Can we be present? Uncomfortable is fine, but present. And can we send a clear signal about what we need? So I just wanted to clarify. Well, I think you, I think you nuance that well, because there are some who adapt and their adaptation is much more about how can I stay, it's an anxious kind of adaptation. Like I want to, I want to make sure you don't reject me. And so I might mirror you, I might match you, but the kind you're talking about is, has the awareness of one's own needs and is capable Mm -hmm. of staying true to that inside mm-hmm. the relationship. Yeah. Absolutely. Abs- and I think if if we know what's going on with us in a given moment or maybe even later. So not not many people when they are having conflict with a person they deeply care about, uh most people are not very present. <laughs> it's really difficult. Most people are not <laughs> sending true. clear signals. That includes very healthy people, very well attached wise people. You know, I heard some people saying, I, I must not be secure because I get really riled up around. No, yeah. that, you can be secure and get riled up. That is sure. not what that means. It means you care. Yeah. So in the moment is great. But if not in the moment afterward, to be able to say, what was happening with me? What was that about? Boy, I got upset when they said, uh, you're not going to wear that out tonight, are you? Ooh, what happened? Because I went from zero to 100 really fast. And what was that about? And so what we're looking for is to be able to say, not they shouldn't have said that, right? Or they made me, but gosh, it's really important to me that they approve of me. This is a, mm. obviously a three example. <laughs> <laughs> and a few uh, others, yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, we, we all want approval uh, and belonging. But to be able to really say, like, what was that for me? Where is that important? Where did I feel threatened or scared? And then the, the next step, if we can do that, is then to be able to share that to, mm. in a really authentic way, say, it, it really matters to me what you think. And so that's what lit me up, because that mm. matters to me. And something yeah. you mentioned a second ago, which is a really thing, and I want to hear you talk about it a little bit more in, in the terms of growth, is the recognition of your need and the request of it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's a big deal. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people. It's like one of the reasons we go to all these other strategies is the inability to recognize yeah. our own need and ask for it. Oh, man. People would rather do just about anything. It it is so much easier to be given a no uh, when we've asked in a defensive or attacking way than to be given a no when we're vulnerable. So Mm. I think most of our strategies are the ways that we work around vulnerability. If people learn to be vulnerable and transparent, me and all of the other therapists are out of a job. So because that that is where the rubber meets the road on healing. And I think it really ties into those stances because those stances are also ways 
that, that we're trying to work around. Mm-hmm. Right? So if I have an at stance, it probably feels a lot safer to me to say, hey, this is what we're doing, rather than to say, so what I would really like, what's important mm-hmm. to me, what I need you for, and are you with me? Mm-hmm. That is way harder than just just saying, hey, come on, we're going to do this or being that more towards stance and saying, well, what do you, what do you want? I can show up for that, right? That It's a protection. So yes, so recognizing this is what I really need. And then with safe other people, having the courage to ask for that. And sometimes we're with people who aren't safe for us, or maybe it's just not necessary to be that vulnerable. It's still important to know what you're doing, right? <laughs> to have that awareness of, you know what, this person probably isn't safe for me to be really vulnerable with. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a little bit more of a a withdrawn stance with them, protect me, protect the relationship. And that's fine. That's completely fine. Mm -hmm. It's the knowing it when we don't know, we can really feel at the mercy of our feelings of other people. And it's just such a powerless place. Self-awareness and Awareness of how we are being experienced by other people is something that is a constant place of learning. (laughs) I'm always humbled by that process. Like, oh, once again, I'm not, I wasn't aware of my, how I'm being experienced. And what does that say about, about me? And, and so coming back to me to be able to really do the deeper dive, you know, cause otherwise it, it can be a thing of, well, I'm blaming others because I'm not getting my needs mm-hmm. met or, you know, uh, I'm trying this strategy and it's not working. So uh, clearly it's the other person's fault, you know, to come out and be vulnerable is a terrifying proposition. And I think that that is why we just can't see it's just like this thing of in the heat of the moment our brains just shut down and we don't know what our needs are in the in the moment it's like this need so strong within us that it's a survival response and i think that that's part of the the problem so i'd love to talk a little bit about like how do we move forward towards the end um how do we get to sort of self-regulation uh, so we can do this a little bit more quickly rather than like weeks have gone by since that fight I had with my friend or my mm. family member to like, can I re- can I come back to myself? And and how do I do this in a way that really works in relationship? I'd love to yeah. chat a little bit more about that. And I'm sure uh, you're eager to do that as well. I am. You know, I um, I don't know if this is good news or bad news. So I like I was saying, people develop these strategies to avoid having their hearts broken. I mean, that's what we're doing, right? We don't, we need belonging. We need acceptance. We need to be seen. Mm. And the threat of losing any of those is, is terrifying. You're right. It throws us into a panic in the moment. It is that important. And that is Mm. neurological. That's not a weakness. And it's not something that will ever be gone from humans. So (laughs) The, the kind of good news, bad news here is that healing has to happen with other people. Yes. Amen, <laughs> sister. This is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing I've, 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 I hate it. I would have never understood what you just said a year ago. Yeah. And it's really become apparent to me in the last probably 12 months that uh, it, it isn't going to happen alone in a silo. It does have to happen within the context of relationships. So brilliant, brilliant uh, point, Michelle. Man, and it's so hard because I think all of us 
would carry an incredibly heavy load if Mm -hmm. we alone could fix whatever it is that's painful to us. So if instead of going into an office with my partner or coming to a coaching session where we hash it out together, I would much rather just say it different, do it different, be different. Everybody's happy and healed. And that would be really nice. And it doesn't really work that way. (laughs) So I heard some strategies on the panels for reducing conflict. And that is not a bad thing because we don't want to wound others and we don't want to be wounded. And so I heard some strategies for, you know, I... I withdraw to gather myself or to feel stronger, or to, to get my point together, and then I come back and I engage. And I want to say very clearly, that is not a bad approach. And that is not what I'm saying. I think it is a step. I don't think it is an end goal. Because ultimately, we are going to feel safest in a relationship where we can be messy or angry or hurt or not have the words to say in front of that person. And be able to say that. I don't have the words right now. This is too hard. This is so important to me. I can't respond intelligently to what you're saying. But Mm. I'm going to sit here with you and you with me and we're going to figure this out. It's so hard when you're so exposed, so vulnerable. So it is a good step because if sometimes if we stay and there's too much conflict, so much damage is done. I mean, the repair is next to impossible, but it's only a step. Ultimately, it's that messiness. That is exactly what we need to be able to show and have accepted and understood. And again, you don't have to do this with your boss. (laughs) You don't have to do this with with the girl at the checkout counter. But those deeply important relationships that is the way to to reach that kind of safety and being known and being seen. And you have to do that in relationship with somebody else. You have to agree. This is what we're going to do. I love it. So good. This is the healing that takes place in community. I I, I have watched as this sort of self-help movement and uh, many have speakers in that world and participants in that world have understood that the work of transformation and growth is something you do primarily alone. It's kind of like the, like I've got to change myself and then I can come back in to the context of relationship and be better for it. And I don't think that that's actually the way it works. (laughs) I do think that the, the struggle in the relationship and the ability to move towards openness and vulnerability, being honest, and uh, creating a safe space, you know, and which that's even itself sometimes difficult to understand. Some people think that safety means I don't get my feelings hurt in the relationship. And that's not true. It, safety means you are still loved. You're still held. You're still wanted to be here. But I'm also me and you're you and we're going to hurt each other. And so is there a place for us to do this and in a way that there's enough grace and enough openness and enough vulnerability and truth that we can work through it together. And I think if we do, then the transformation takes root in us, I think at a deeper level and it has impact socially. Yeah. And safety in relationship is a good clarification. Safety in a relationship does not mean I will never be hurt, but I can trust that there will be repair. Right. Yes, that's exactly it. In fact, 
if I'm in a relationship where I'm never hurt, I actually don't have safety because I don't have authenticity. There is no way we're going to have meaningful connection and I won't step on your toes at some point or disappoint you or hurt you or embarrass you. That If we have authentic, meaningful connection, that yeah. is going to happen. Yes. And yeah. if you're not telling me that, I can't trust that I really know what's true yeah. with you. Yeah, so yeah. when you said repair, that that is it right there. So the messiness happens, the conflict and the hurt feelings and the things you shouldn't have said, all of that is going to happen in any relationship with any intensity whatsoever. The money is in the repair. And the repair happens hopefully sooner rather than later. Although I will tell you, there are repairs that take years to happen. Those really deep wounds betrayals like affairs or I wasn't there when our child was born or when your mother passed away. The, those kind of betrayals sometimes are years. They are, the wounds are so deep. It can take years to heal from that. So it's never too late. The repair has to also involve that vulnerability where you have that insight to say, let me go back. And without blaming, without blaming you or blaming me, let me just tell you what was happening there mm. because there are folks who will want to blame you. We'll see what happened was you weren't very nice. So that's why I was mean. So if you would just be nice, I would be nice. Right. <laughs> Other yeah. people will blame themselves. Well, now I realize I shouldn't care what you think of me. And that's the problem. And I'm just going to stop being so vain and then we'll be fine. Well, that's also very blaming and judgmental. Right. And it's a work around vulnerability. Mm. I'm saying maybe I wish I, I, it didn't matter to me, but the truth is that it does. Hey, this is Jim Zartman, just taking a time out in the middle of this episode to extend the invitation. If you'd like to learn with us, the best way to do that is through the Art of Growth certification. You can sign up now at theartofgrowth.org under the classes and events section. And this is our certification that runs from January through March, 2023. And this Friday, November 25th, is the last day to sign up for the early bird pricing. So go to theartofgrowth.org and sign up today. Okay, back to the episode. Yeah, I love how you're putting that because I think it's the distinction that you drew there is one, it's like I'm alone in my, in my inner work. <laughs> the other one is I'm doing this with you. And there's a part that is alone that I have to deal with. But not the entire thing. And, you know, I don't I don't have to walk this out myself. So if I come back into the relationship, there's a better chance that the healing will take place. And the other thing, too, is that you, you find yourself, I guess, feeling safer and more comfortable as you do this in practice with community. Like if you don't you don't practice this in community, you're never going to get to that place of feeling and understanding what safety feels like inside the context of community. And so you're you're more protective and more guarded about your, your vulnerabilities. And so I think the process is a little bit of exposure therapy. You yeah, have to do yeah, 100%. You just right. have to do it, you know, put yourself out there. Optimal challenge, you know, do a little bit, but keep moving towards that in that direction. Well, I think being so, for example, in the coaching groups that you do in um, even in the certification class that I went through, you, you've put yourself into a situation where it's not only acceptable, it's really expected yep. that you'll take some chance chances, that you'll be vulnerable. And 
I think that that well, I'll speak for myself being in those situations, sharing with people things that I maybe haven't shared with anybody, those vulnerabilities, those fears, and having that not just accepted, but the, you know, the head nods and the people who are like, oh yeah, totally me too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, is such, it is such freedom. Oh yeah. Even, even then leaving the group and going back into my world, you're, you're different. You just, you aren't as held back. In yeah, that. Oh, a hundred percent. It's it's this experience of if I belong here, then maybe I can belong elsewhere. If I can belong you know, to myself or to this group here because yeah. I'm more truthful about who I am. And they, and, you know, there's more of an acceptance and a willingness to kind of journey together. And I mean, all of this stuff, it, it, people, people are trying to sometimes find that community. Like, where does that exist? And yeah, in some sense, it's true. It doesn't exist everywhere. But in another way, you have the power to create some of that and uh, to begin to move in the direction of, I'm not going to wait until I find a group like that or until one is created for me, but how can I become a bit more vulnerable within my relationship and ask for that in return and kind of start to nurture that within a safe relationship that you have? And again, you know, safety is going to look different as you begin to grow because you're going to realize like, oh, safety isn't just, as we just said, isn't about not getting hurt. Um, yeah. I love the way Jim put that. It's about the the trust that it's going to repair, that you can have repair within a relationship. And so, and by the way, that seems to actually strengthen it. Is, is that also yeah. your understanding of it as well? Is like the, the breaking isn't the end of everything. It's the repair actually seems to make it stronger. I think you had said that mm -hmm. some time ago, Michelle, maybe at a previous podcast that we did together. Yeah, we actually know that in parenting, the majority of healthy attachment is built in repair. You have to mess up so that you can come back and fix it. And it is that stronger at the broken place kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fascinating. The biology and mm -hmm. psychology. It's like, you know, the body, the bones that break actually mm -hmm. heal stronger, right? And then and the same thing with, with relationships. Well, let's move on to some things that maybe you've learned um, in listening to the panels. And Jim and I can share some of those. And then we'll talk about what we still don't know. And I guess even before we dive into that, let's let's just say a few things about stances since we just did so for attachment cells, and then we'll talk about what we learned. Yeah, for uh, for stances, some of the things that came up that we noticed too was a difficulty discerning between toward and at. At is the one that tends to set the agenda or has an agenda at least that is like present, fairly consistent to the mind. And I think it, in terms of how the stances work and getting your needs met, is that stance does not trust that uh, by getting along or going along with other people's agenda, that you're going to get your needs met that way. It certainly doesn't feel that way to at stance people. It's it's quite the opposite. It's uh, it's if anything, I'm it's, I'm not going to get my needs met. So the agenda really is for the type as a means to getting to that, you know, getting the needs met. But I think it's also a little bit different than attachment styles in that the stance, you don't want to seem like you're, you're kind of born almost with that stance. It's like a part of the hardware, part of the, at least of the predisposition, let's say. And there's a, a way that that type then moves through the world because they may not necessarily be at, toward, or away in every context. But it shows up primarily in the context where 
where it matters. So it's in relationships uh, at work. It's in relationships at home. It will vary slightly, but I think for most, they seem to say, yeah, if I'm at, I tend to be at at home, uh, I tend to be at that way at work with some variations of intensity around it, but I still have that. I'm setting the agenda or I, I'm trying to get the agenda across in some other way, you know, but that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And some of that confusion came from people who were at and they're mistaking their at as toward like, no, I'm, I'm no, I'm coming towards this person. No, it's like, no, no, that the intensity, you have an agenda that is going on here. And so I think hearing the way some people talked about it is they would use the word and then there's a tendency to like, uh, do that thing we talked about a long time ago, same word, different meaning. Like I attach a meaning onto this through my own inter- interpretation filter of what this thing means. But one of the things uh, Joel just triggered in my brain, I, I'm curious, both of you, if you saw this too, as far as the most intimate relationships, stance almost seemed pre-strategy reaction and then attachment style was the post-reaction strategy to get the need met. One is like the instantaneous reaction in the moment. And then the the attachment style seemed to be like the strategy I'm going about with more of it. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw that or heard that from other folks too, but that's just something I, I saw a couple times. I wonder if it would be accurate to say that your attachment style determines how you interpret what's needed. And then your stance is how you make that happen. Hmm. So if a person has a more dismissive attachment style, they will interpret interactions as you're going to consume or overtake me. Now, what do I need to do to keep that from happening? And, And any of those stances could be used. So if I don't want you to overtake me, I might be very at and, and right. rejecting and we're not going to do that and I'm going to take control or I might be very toward like fine whatever I'll back off just whatever you want or I might literally yeah I might just withdraw I love that actually uh, that's really that good sense to me. Yeah, yeah same because I can totally see this play out with and that actually did play out in the podcast uh, so you're you're yeah. definitely tuned into that where you would hear someone say if the, if the withdrawn doesn't work, you know, like you're, you're still coming at me, uh, you know, then I'm going to go at you, you know, this is like a reaction to that. And, yeah. and so I, I, yeah, I can totally, that makes a lot of sense. If your attachment styles a certain way, you know, then it's the strategy of the stance um, comes through. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's, I like, it's calling it an interpretation too, because mm-hmm. I, I think when I witnessed the stance in myself, it's so instantaneous but it's my instant response but and i saw that in other people too but it's because the interpretation was already present <laughs> and right. i think what, what we know from our enneagram type is our type is looking for confirmation of its mm. core beliefs and so that almost creates this interpretation grid as things are even coming into my purview and mm-hmm. then it's like that uh, interpretive grid is causing the what seems like a very quick reaction, but it's actually coming through that interpretation filter. So I think that's a really helpful clarification there you give. Yeah, it's really good. So I think if you have a more withdrawing or dismissive stance, danger for you is conflict or consumption, right? So if I'm withdrawing, I preserve the relationship by keeping peace. So I will be looking through the lens of how does this threaten the peace of our relationship? 
if I'm in the more anxious quadrant, then disconnection is the danger. So I'm looking through the lens of does whatever is happening, does that threaten to disconnect us? So I think I wasn't really clear when I described Mm -hmm. that sort of the goal of the withdrawing there before, but I think that may be a more more clear way to say it. So we sort of interpret the danger and then we go at the danger or toward the danger or away from the danger, like you said, in very instinctive Mm -hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's let's explain a little bit of the Tord because we did the with the at uh, the Tord is more of the dutiful um, stance that does see itself as in more in that reciprocal kind of relationship with the with the world around them, and so they will tend to look at things as how I get my needs met will be through the group, through others around me, through my doing, and then them doing or them giving me permission. Or them, you know, in some way, it's it returns back because I've participated. So it's very participatory. It's very much a, you know, it has an attention to that, to to things working in that way. So it's not so much I'm setting the agenda, nor is it that I'm pulling away, but I'm participating, I'm involved, I'm dutiful, I'm giving, I'm contributing, and then there's a hope that that comes back. So that's the... So the toward stance works. Toward can seem like it might be with that fourth way that, yes. you know, that, yeah. that we know we're sort of, a, but I think the difference is a with stance is about us. What will we do to meet our goals? How will we work together? Toward stance it can be, I'll sacrifice my goal so that your goal will be met. Mm-hmm. And then in doing that, like you were just saying, you'll sacrifice your in order for my right. Yeah. right which is not we it's you not we and so that's yeah. where but it's it's subtle it's a subtle yeah. no, it's a it's a really good observation it doesn't show up in all in all of the toward stances so i want to be clear about that like they're you know the type one may not resonate entirely with that but what they'll do is they'll say look I, you know i'm 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 following the rules and so i'm doing things the right way here and my hope is that because i followed the rules then i get what I deserve, right? That's the sort of approach. And that's the way the toward stance works um, and the dutiful stance works for them. But it's still very much about that sort of idea, the spirit behind that of, you know, it's not so much with as much as it is I'm doing in hopes that I will earn something on the other side or in the sake of the type two, the more obvious uh, toward stance type is that, you know, I I do for you, I meet your needs and in hopes that you meet mine and you know, the, the type six is, you know, I'm supporting in hopes that I'm supported in return. So there's a there's that sort of reciprocal nature that's happening, but it's still very much about what you're describing there, which yeah. it hasn't gotten to the the withness of I know what my needs are and I'm willing to be more open about what they are. And I want to know what your needs are and you be open to yours. And somehow through that process of dialogue, we can we can get there. And I think that that's the the withness is the, that ability to negotiate through the different stances as opposed to being fixed on a particular way of going about getting those needs met. Uh, so, yeah. You know, we had a meeting a while back when we first started talking about the uh, link between attachment and stances and a group of us got together. And I think, Joel, it was you asking each of us to kind of share what is, what's our stacking? What's our stance stacking? Where do we go first? Where do we go next? Just, just like on the podcast. 
And I knew I was at, that was easy, but I I didn't really know after that, that was a really hard question. And so I heard some of that happen on the podcast too, on the panels that it's really hard to take a 10,000 foot view of yourself and your interaction. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That is, (laughs) that is near impossible right Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, because it's so specific to, did you notice too, it's specific to context and it's specific to, it gets to the point where you're just nuancing so much of it. Like, you know, well, right now I'm in that space because I'm highly stressed or, you know, it varies. Uh, I think the second varies a little bit more uh, sometimes. So there is, there does seem to be a stack, but yeah, keep going. I want to hear what, where you were going with this. You know, one of the really core qualities of the Enneagram is that we don't tell other people what their Enneagram number is. Only a person can know that for themselves because it's about motivation and only we can know how we're motivated. Yeah. I don't think the stances are like that. (laughs) The stances are more about approach and action. And so I think it's really important that we check in with other people or we we think about the feedback we're getting from other people. And that's probably yeah. a good clue about how we use our stances, what's yeah. the most common, how we're coming across, looking at what is the feedback that you've gotten through your life. That's oh, for huge. sure. Yeah. And one of the ways we saw, saw this show up is we did ask people kind of their stack and people figured that out. But what I noticed is, you know, you had your one, two and three. Okay, that's the makeup, regardless of what order that is. But some people would go one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, three. Right. <laughs> and then some people would be like one, 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 two, three, 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 three. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and so you saw this movement happening where some people interact with the flow of them in a really different way than they do like their instincts, for instance, it just the flow the, to me, like I was hearing it as I'm hearing them talk, I'm hearing it as a rhythm. I was like, Mm. your rhythms move in really different ways in how you approach this. Yeah. That's such a good observation. That's, it makes me think about my grandparents. Uh, My grandmother probably was an eight and my grandfather probably was a two everybody in the family knew that he would be quiet and appeasing very toward very toward and then that was it (laughs) he was at Mm. and the minute he went at my grandmother backed off and and we all knew that was the rhythm of their relationship so when you're saying that i'm thinking yeah i see that play out would he have known that was the pattern would she have known i don't i don't know that they would have known that no, but we knew when he you was knew. getting ready to go at. Well, that's it. That's the funny thing about this. It's like, you know, you ask your kids, if you have kids, you ask your kids how you are. They have zero problem telling you how you are. <laughs> it's, you know, it's they experience you and and there is no I mean, you know, this when you were a kid, you could spot your parent in a crowd of people. You could spot them. There is something about their gait. Something about the rhythm uh, of how they moved. Everything about that was so clear to you. And I think that that's funny about how obvious it is, which is why when kids make, you know, lovingly make, you know, tease their parents about things, their parents are dying laughing because it's like, you know me in a way that I don't even know me, right? Because it's the experience of the cloud that you show up with 
cloud that you carry with you everywhere you go. And I think stances get at that cloud that you, each of us have, the atmosphere we create so clearly, like nobody, like you described as such a good illustration of that, like nobody would have questioned grandma, grandmas get that intensity. Maybe we couldn't call that an eight back then because we didn't know the Enneagram, but nobody needed to know that grandma was a pretty, you know, intense and pretty direct and bold kind of personality. You know, and grandpa was more of the gentle soul, kind of like, you know, wanting to connect. But then when he popped, <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> so I think that that's um, that's something that has been helpful to us in terms of understanding, you know, the, the, the next level of awareness is not only how I'm motivated and my strategy. So the motivation, my strategy, how I go about getting my needs met. But then what is the atmosphere I carry with me that other people pick up on, you know, and that's the stances really gets at that. Let me finish with the withdrawn stance and then uh, we'll continue just to make sure we touch that. The withdrawn stance, it's, it's fascinating too, to listen to the podcasters talk about how the withdrawn stance works for them. Mm. It's that stance that pulls away and does so as a means to come back to itself in some regards. It's kind of an energy management uh, system that functions um, within the three types that are in the withdrawn stance. There's an energy management. There's a an identity management piece to it. Like, who am I? I need to return to myself. I'm losing myself in 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 the world. And so that that seems to be consistent for the withdrawn stance. They find that that's what's happening for them. Um, again, as Jim said, in terms of the rhythm, it doesn't. We've said these are where you start, but it's not necessarily this is exactly how it works. It's like one, two, and three. It sometimes is like, it's the percentage of attention that your type has around a particular stance. Like, I feel the withdrawn in me, but I'm also wanting to be around people. So, I might do a little bit of the, I'll do the withdrawn. It's, that's definitely there, but I'm leaning towards people. And then, boy, do I feel it, and then I need a break, right? So, the withdrawn seems to be underneath always, even if there's a couple layers of like, well, I'm leaning toward, you know, um, because I want to be in connection with people. So, I don't want to muddy up the waters too much, but to say like, just because you have an at stance doesn't mean, or a withdrawn stance doesn't mean that you are at, 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 intense, at, at, at only, and then you'll go to the next one if the first one doesn't work. That That is helpful to talk about it that way but it seems to also be like i have some madness but within that i'm also leaning a little bit toward people and then you know i can but but the atness is still there and then sometimes i pull away and then i'll pull away thirdly if if the first two don't work anyway so that's my my kind of like i'm still playing around with this but it seems to me like i was picking up on a bit of that happening uh within the types Somebody on the four panel, I thought was just so insightful, talked about her withdrawing as I'll stay here with a pleasant look on my face and I'll be very polite and you will never again know what I think. <laughs> All right. I remember that. Right. right. So that yeah. that detached, but I'm still here. Yeah. But I'm not with you anymore. So I think that just the there are a lot of different forms that that can take. Like you're saying that, that just really stuck out to me as a, that's, that is a woman who knows herself. <laughs> she yeah. Knows she herself. said, um, you don't get to know what I feel. 
yeah, yeah. Right. As a heart type, it's like, I'm going to withhold this thing that's most precious to me in that space. Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's like the reason, the reason for using that stance though, was such a, such a diverse answer when people gave, it was a lot of rewords, you know, like there was the remembering in the face of mm -hmm. self-forgetting, like I'm actually vanishing in your presence. So I need, feel like I need to withdraw to reclaim myself. And it's not that I, no. I'm discounting you, but I feel like I need that or I need renewed. I need to reclaim myself. I need to restore it. I need to recharge. I need to refill like all mm -hmm. of these rewords return to self kept coming up as far as like the languaging that they were using. There seems to be both a protective nature to it. Did you notice that too? It's like yes. the, the protective nature to the to the withdrawn stance, as well as some other strategies to it. Did you? I don't know if you if you picked up on that as well, Michelle. Yeah, I think it's that again the not wanting to be consumed. The yeah. I need to keep who I am, which is an incredibly healthy urge that we have within us to not just be consumed by the other, so that I can bring my whole self to this. So I kind of sketched out what happens, you know, it can be a little confusing to think about the intersection of, let's say, a more anxious attachment style and an at stance. And so I sort of sketched out what that might look like, kind of moving toward the goal of that with kind of how do you send a with what's that going to sound like or feel like? Yeah. yeah. So share this, but I also want to let people know that uh, when this episode comes out, we will put out a newsletter that has an image of what Michelle is talking about right here in it. So you get the visual and we will also put it on our Instagram, just art of growth. And um, so we'll put that there. So you have the visual because I, awesome. I want you to hear it. And if you can sketch it out yourself while you're listening right now, grab a piece of paper. Awesome. Um, as Michelle explains it, but what we will present a, an, a visual later. Nice. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So first of all, I want to say these things are going to happen when you're under stress, when you might be at risk of losing dignity or relationship or safety or belonging or any of those things that are so important to us. So if we look first at people with that more preoccupied or anxious attachment style, their at energy can look very accusatory with the goal of getting reassurance. So they may say, I know you don't respect me. That is a very at, I'm telling you what you think. Mm. The question is, do you respect me? Which is that very vulnerable kind of, that's so much harder to say. So, so that's how that at energy can look when the anxious person is threatened. The toward stance is being what seems like very supportive of somebody else's agenda, but there is that goal that we've talked about to get back. So my job's not important. We'll move for your job. It's fine. I'm all on board, just whatever you need. But the agenda there is, and in return, you won't leave me. You won't reject me. I won't have to give you up. We won't drift apart, right? There's strings attached yeah. to that. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where it gets a little bit more confusing. If you have anxious attachment, but a withdrawn stance, because it seems like they would be contradictory. So mm. that feels more like I'm going to be supportive of you by not being a barrier. I'm going to fade into the background and basically say, whatever you want is fine. I'll just get out of your way. So I'm, I've given up my goal. 
I'm going with your goal, which is uh, that withdrawn stance, as long as there's some distance here. And, and I actually have two sort of ideas around when you have this anxious or preoccupied attachment styles and you want to have more of that with energy to send a very clear signal. So when when you say that to me, it really hurts my feelings because it scares me to think that we're not okay. When when you criticize me in front of other people, it makes me feel like you're not proud of me. And I hate that because it really matters to me. That would be a very with kind of statement because it's saying, I do have a goal. I want you to respect me and be proud of me, but I really want it to happen. I don't want to demand it. I don't want to coerce it. I want you to be on board with this. So that's a clear signal. And then a, a clear ask might be something like saying, hey, are we okay? Not trying to suss it out, not trying to send out, you know, these test balloons to kind of see how we're doing, but just to say, hey, this doesn't, something feels off. Will you tell me that we're okay? Because this doesn't feel good to me. That is a with, it gives freedom for the other person to have an authentic response, to show up how they need to show up. Now, I did. I never said that these are ways to never get hurt or never hear things that you don't want to hear, <laughs> right? Um, but ultimately, safety is way more, well, I can't say it's way more important than comfort, but this is about safety and not comfort. And sometimes you have to choose. So, mm-hmm. okay. So, so thinking about dismissive folks who feel like uh, safety is found in low conflict, in keeping distance if they have to, who don't want to be consumed, they can have an at energy as well. And that typically comes across as being kind of minimizing of people. That's ridiculous. Nobody cries over something like that. It's all in your head. You're making this up. Why are you making this hard? It's that minimizing, dismissing, which if you think of people saying something like that to you, that is a very crushing, aggressive kind of energy. Mm that says you don't get to be that way. A dismissive person with a more toward stance, that actually looks a lot like the anxious person who's withdrawing, which is I'm going to be supportive of you by not getting in your way, right? That's fine. If you want to buy a new house, you go buy a new house. I'll ju- you just tell me where to sign on the dotted line. I'm not going to be active, engaged, involved, excited, but you can have what you want. So you feel how that's more withdrawn. And then I think when a dismissive person takes a withdrawn stance, they're in the other room. They peace out. (laughs) That's, you know, I'm out of here. So for a dismissive person to to step into that with kind of energy, they can say something like, I care about you and I care about this issue. I have to have some time to think about this and we are 100% going to get together and work this out. So they may have to take a little time away, but before they do that, they're saying, you're important. This is important. I'm not slowing down because you don't matter or you're too much. It's because you matter so much that I'm going to need just a minute. And then the really important part is, and I will come back and you have to come back. (laughs) If you're in that dismissive stance, you got to come back. And if you come back enough, people will give you space because they trust you that you'll come back when you're ready. Hmm. Can you believe that this is a free podcast? Given what <laughs> no, right. Seriously. I mean, this uh, stuff uh, is gold. That's super helpful. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I could, cause I, I'm listening to this going, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to borrow some, I'm going to use some of this at home. Uh, okay. so, oh, and I can hear, I can hear many, many therapists out there scribbling notes right now. They're going to be like, Oh, I've got it. I'm going to, this is going to come yeah. in handy. You know, what you're bringing up here, Michelle, too, is like there's a there's a lot of reassurance to the relationship. Like we're good. Like I think that has to be said. So it's a positive disposition to the relationship rather than a negative one. Like the sky is falling, you know, we're falling apart. uh, Things are bad. You're not approaching it that way. You're approaching it as we're good and we're going to make it through. So there's the reassurance part. The other part that's there is uh, the more truthful part about the, the heart and what's happening for you. So there's that component, like, you know, I'm struggling or I need a break or I need just a moment or I need to think about this or, you know, there's that more vulnerable, you know, part of our hearts where if we're truthful, it feels a little insecure. We feel insecure. We feel inadequate. We feel vulnerable uh, saying those things. And then thirdly, it's the request of, you know, here's what I need. And, you know, I need to feel like you're with me. I need to or here's how I'm feeling in this moment. And it invites care. And I've I've found that a lot of what I've done personally is in my disagreements, in my arguments, I've gone to the head center to argue something from uh, from a place of like proving, you know, or it's been, you know, the body center of acting out a certain way, you know, but when it's worked well for me, it's when I've been truthful about and asking for care, asking for from the other person for their uh, for their love, for their support. Boy, do I hate doing that. And I seldom do it, but it's a practice that I'm, I'm working on is, is getting more in that space because that's the part that makes it more accessible to other people. It's terrible, terrifying. Yes. But that's also where you're going to get the best out of your partner, you know, is, is, uh, yeah, I want to care for you, of course. And you're assuming the best, like, you know, I, I believe that you want to take care of me. So that's why I'm vocalizing this. Um, so those are some of the things I'm hearing in what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in moments of dysregulation, when we are scared, when we are threatened, we quickly lose track of how we're coming across to other people. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that until recently, maybe you weren't saying, hey, I'm upset because I do care is because to you, that was blatantly obvious. <laughs> yeah, right. It didn't occur yeah. to you that the other person might think that you were being rejecting or critical or whatever it was, right? And so we we assume that the other person has it all together, that they are confident that they're doing this to us because they don't care. And that what we're going through is, we, we just tend to take that on ourselves. And mm. so blatantly labeling, this is why this is happening with me, just brings the temperature down immediately yeah. and so much more is possible Yeah, in that That's space. Fantastic. Yeah. So I'd like to maybe wrap up our conversation with um, leaning it a little bit into that with stance just for a moment and exploring how the, the tendency of the, of the stances seems to be either this is how I'm going to get um, my needs met um, this is how I'm, I'm protecting myself. So it has a protective nature to it, but it also has a nature of how do I connect with another person? There's both that. It seems like there's both happening there. It's like, so, you know, I, my at stance, um, um, the three of us are in the at triad here. So, you know, the at stance will show up as like, I'm, I don't want to be 
taken in by your agenda. So I have I have mine. And there's both the protective element, like I don't want to be, I don't want my needs not getting met because I'm caught up in your agenda. Um, on the other hand, there's a part of it in which there's something I'm doing to meet people and to like be in connection with them. And there's a high side to that, which is I do set agendas that a lot of people find helpful and in direction that a lot of people find helpful. So I find that the stance has a little bit of both going on for that. Like you think about the toward stance, well, they're wonderful in, in mm. terms of the dutiful piece of it. It's fantastic. You know, you, you get participation, you get things, you know, things really, you get groups of people moving and mobilizing together. And so there's, there's an aspect there, but it's also there as a protective mechanism, you know, and so is the withdrawn, like it pull back to really uh, pay attention to what's happening. There's a protective element. But then a lot of the withdrawn stance people say, yeah, but it's also so that I can come back and actually be more present and be more fully here and uh, be there for you. And some uh, of those withdrawn stance can be people that really are there. It's like, I'm going to be fully here when I'm back. So, yeah, I just thought, I thought about that as I wondered if you observe that as well as like there's, there's both the gift of that. But the challenge of that is getting to that with stance where there's an awareness of. I do need to protect myself. This is wise for me to pull back here because this is not a safe place to, you know, to to be. Or I need to call up some atness because I need boundaries in my life. Or, you know, this this is really more of a toward thing. Like I need to just participate rather than run the show or or try to force my agenda. So I think that there's a lot there in this with stance that develops the ability to know and discern. What is the thing that's necessary here that's the best for this situation and the best for me without getting caught up in our automatic patterns? So I just want to kind of say that and then get some reflections and, you know, your observations as well. Yeah, no, I completely agree that I think as long as we are able to track how we're impacting those around us, there are times to be at and toward and withdrawn. So I'll just give a quick example that as we've labeled, I'm a very at person. I'm also self-pres. So I like to make the plan. I like to be in charge, all of that stuff. However, when we travel, when my husband and I go places or the whole family, he is great at that. He steps into that space. He makes the plan. He makes the itinerary. He makes the reservations. He tells me where to show up and I do. And I love that. <laughs> I don't have to do any of that. It is such a relief to just be in his hands. And you could definitely argue that it's sort of an at energy because he sets the agenda. It's wonderful. I hope he never stops doing that. Yeah. And so he, if he's paying any kind of attention, and I know he is because I've told him how much I love it, then he's going to keep going with that. Hey, let's do this today. I found this new, really neat thing. As long as he's watching that, that's wonderful. I don't want a, a with stance on vacation. I just don't want the energy that it takes. And so, yeah, I absolutely think I'm glad you're highlighting that we need to take a little time to appreciate that wherever your natural starting place is, is a gift in certain yeah. circumstances. And so you wouldn't want to forsake that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's a beautiful uh, illustration of like moments where you can withdraw, when you can pull back, when you can just be toward instead of being, mm-hmm. you know, at. What a what a great thing that is because overdoing any one of our stances is like it's exhausting, you know, and and it doesn't work for us entirely. So, mm-hmm. yeah, having breathing room around it and uh, some opportunities to use it in the ways that it is benefits you and benefits the world is is really. Mm-hmm. what we're trying to do yeah and i think i want to get practiced at all of them right so yeah. I, i'm naturally practiced at setting an agenda and then bringing others along you know but i like that i've developed this thing and i want to continue to develop this thing where others are setting an agenda and i'm like i'm going to be a part of that i'm going to play a role yeah. in that i'm going to be dutiful yeah. in playing a role in that because that's like the part of of the towards stance right and then there's times where I'm like, man, if I've done too much of both of those things and I don't, you know, <laughs> pull back and remember myself and and come back to like who I am and take that space and withdraw, if I don't mm. if I don't include that element in my life, then I'm not going to be showing up in the best form for all these people. I'm not going to be able to bring that with back. So I think each of them really have a place in our skill set to use them well. And like everything we're trying to do with the art of growth, it's like bringing intention instead of living in automatic mode. And so if I'm developing the skill set of that stance and I can bring that to the table, then it's going to show up as a gift, just like you you described with vacation. You know, it's just each of those can be a gift in that in that time. And sometimes creating that gift for someone else, like taking someone who, man, they just always go along with my agenda and being like, Hey, I would love it. If you like, how could I support you? If you take this agenda, if you're someone who needs space, how do I actually carve out space to allow you to withdraw, to return to yourself? Because you've been really busy. A lot of people have been demanding of your time and you've kind of dutifully gone along with it. So I think it's something in relationship that we can develop each of the skills, but we can also like help the people closest to us develop that thing and make space for them to develop and lean into that thing as well. It's just going to create so much more beauty and fluidity. And I think that's that dance is part of the with like, because when you're with someone you're dancing, you're creating the space between you're allowing them to move and you're allowing them to shine at moments. And then you're allowing moments where you guide them. And this this is the whole like energy of the movement or relationship is that dance. Well, you know, I think something that's really important is when you're trying a new thing, if you are not a person who typically will lean in and do that at stance, give yourself some grace. It probably won't be lovely in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. It will be awkward and you might overshoot a little bit. And if you love somebody who's trying to grow and do these new things, whether it's new stances or work with their attachment style, it's, it often is very ugly in the beginning. It comes out sloppy. Yeah. I was literally just talking to a client about this today. Like it comes out a little sloppy. That's okay. (laughs) But it's, it's sloppy in the way that a kid learning to roller skate. It's totally. sloppy. Exactly. It's charming yeah. and it's moving to a good place. And we just have to have some some forgiveness for that and see it as part of the process. Well, I think cel- you're celebrate it too. Like cel- notice it and celebrate it in, yeah. in the other person. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I think your sign off, Jim, is grace and growth, my friends. Is that what you say? And that's what it is. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be growing, you gotta give yourself grace. And you yeah. and other people have to also because it's it's messy. I love it. So as we wrap up in uh, our time, which has been just absolutely Mm. amazing. Uh, So good. (laughs) I could talk for another hour on this. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just so eternally deep, but I'm aware of our listeners. (laughs) So uh, we're going to wrap things up here, but any final thoughts, Michelle, uh, do you want to share with us on this, about the season? You know, I just, I want to say again, the people who are, taking those chances, whether it's being on your panels, doing the communities, signing up for coaching. Um, I just, I applaud that because it is not easy. It's not easy to go mm. to therapy or read books and try to do better. And so anybody who's listening to this, I, I think deserves some credit. And so I just want to really encourage people that it typically is two steps forward, one step back, and that's mm. still growth. That's still moving forward. And I just want to thank the two of you because I enjoy our talks like this so much and and being a part of it. So I just really appreciate it. Mm. And I want to bring back something that you said at the beginning, which is if we want to experience healing in these arenas, that will require relationship, that the healing will come through relationships with other people. This is growth is not an isolated project, even personal growth. Personal growth is a communal project. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yes, I agree. Mm. Well, with that, thank you so very much, mm. Michelle. Thank and you. Uh, to our audience, listen, there's, there's more gold coming. Nobody. Uh, some, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got some stuff we're working out with Michelle. So um, I'm super excited about it. thanks for listening to this week's episode and thank you to so many of you who really did the deep dive that this season required this isn't easy stuff this isn't the beginner stuff of the enneagram this is deep stuff and so we thank you that you came along for the ride and you want to go to that place because it does make a difference in your life and if it makes a difference in your life it will affect the lives of those around you and this is good So thank you for being people whose well runs deep. Reminder that the hub of all of our work is theartofgrowth.org. And that's where you can sign up for coaching or take a free Enneagram test or or see what it would look like for us to come into your organization, do some training and consulting. And if you leave a review for the show, it really helps us out. But for now, my friends, may you walk aware. May you walk into this holiday season aware of what's coming up within you. Notice when you are triggered and notice when you have a sense of peace and home. See what is happening in you because that voice is empowering your change and calling you forward to your true and remembered self. Grace and growth, my friends.